Welcome to the Fremont Community Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. We are a family of believers who meet in Fremont, Indiana every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. We are attempting to follow Jesus by loving God and loving people. If you would like to support Fremont Community Church, go to www.fremontcommunity.org. beautiful Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the sun outside. We thank you that we are here to worship you together digitally, even though we can't be together physically. Lord, we we are grateful. Lord, we just passed through this weekend of Thanksgiving where we were meant to focus on the things that we are grateful for. And this is one of the things that I even said to my family that I'm grateful for our church and for how things are going with the church. Even in the midst of this crazy, difficult time, you've been faithful, Lord, and your people have been faithful. Lord, I thank you for that. Thank you for the family that you have knit together at Fremont Community Church. And I pray, Lord, as we dive into your word, that you would help us to hear what you have to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We are going to read our selection from Isaiah 64, verse 1 through 9. This is one of the Advent readings that's marked on the, uh, on the lectionary for this morning. So that's Isaiah 64, 1 through 9. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence. As when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil to make your name known to your enemies and that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things that we did not look for, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence for of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God beside you who acts for those who wait for him. You meet him who joyfully works righteousness. Those who remember you in your ways, behold, you are angry and we, si- and we sinned. In our sins we have been a long time and shall we be saved? We have all become like one who's unclean and all our righteous deeds are like polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls upon your name who rouses himself to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have made us melt in the hand of our iniquities. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Be not so terribly angry, O Lord, and remember not iniquity forever. Behold, please look, we all are your people. See, times of distress and darkness are used by God to teach us to hope because we have hope. But maybe our hope should look a little different than we thought. See, times like these are confusing for people like us. As Americans, and maybe even more so as Pentecostals, we've been taught to expect victory at every turn. Victory, victory, victory. I used to have... uh, 
old old friends in Christ that whenever you would say, you know, things, you know, whenever you would say, how you doing? They would say, I'm blessed and highly favored. And that's true. But we've been taught to expect that at every single moment of life, we're going to encounter victory. That there's never a moment where things won't make sense. That there's never a moment where things are more difficult than we feel like they should be. I think of every movie that I watched as a kid. The good guys always win every time. And that's how movies work, right? <laughs> I've heard my kids jokingly say, of course this isn't the end. The bad guy doesn't get to win, right? When somebody almost dies or it looks like somebody died or whatever. And somebody says, oh, is, that gonna, is this how it ends? And, you know, they're like, no, of course it's not. You know it's not because who would put a movie on where the bad guy dies and loses, Right? It runs against our very nature to see a story without a happy ending. That's why times like these are confusing. They don't fit the narrative. They don't match. It feels out of place and wrong to see defeat and to think, well, that's the end of that. I remember in August and September having conversations with people like, well, now that COVID's over. As of Friday morning, there have been over 13 million cases of COVID-19 in the United States, and over 263,000 people have died. That's not a happy story. Sometimes when we feel that victory is assured, it gets snatched away from us. I know. All right, I'm going to get... I'm, hold on, Okay. I know that for some of you, it seems completely impossible and entirely against God's will that President Trump did not win a second term. And for some of you, it seems impossible that he was ever president at all. I think that it's a good thing for both sides of that particular argument to remember that there are really good Jesus-following folks who feel completely the opposite than you do. So let's prefer our brothers and sisters over ourselves and try and have compassion for whatever side you're not on. That's my pastoral political moment for today. Amen. <laughs> These kinds of moments cause us to wonder, where is God? The poem from Isaiah 64 that I just read, and Isaiah was an incredible poet, recognized by non-Christians and Christians alike, Jewish people alike, all over the world is one of the greatest poets the world has ever seen. And that poem from Isaiah 64 is a prophetic statement of what God is really going to do, but it begins with, it begins with the cry of our hearts. Oh, just rend the heavens and come down. Will you put an end to this? Please, can we shut this whole thing down? I am so sick of COVID. I'm so sick of all these issues. I'm so sick of the argument over politics, etc., etc. You fill in the blank. And it leaves us asking, where is God? Where is God? Where is God? The answer, God is here. He's here. He's not hiding in some far off victory place like when we get our stuff together, then he's finally going to see us. He's not way off somewhere where when, when all of the, when all of, the bad stuff has blown over, then God's going to show up. No, God is here with us in the center of our distress, our difficulty, and our pain. He is with us. He is here in the midst 
of our struggle. And it is his invitation to you this morning to find him here. Not there, not over there, not way off someplace else. These aren't, this isn't the way things weren't supposed to be. That kind of thought is not helpful. It's not constructive. And, not, and you're not going to find God in that place. Where you're going to find God is in this moment, at this time, in this place. Because this is where he is. This is the first week of Advent. Advent is a season of waiting. That's what it is. That's what we are doing. I hesitate to use the word celebration because Advent is a fast. Therefore, it's not a celebration. We observe Advent. We don't celebrate it. Because we are choosing to recognize the truth that though Jesus came and though Jesus won, he defeated all his enemies. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. That's the truth. But we haven't seen the completion of his victory yet. We are still waiting. But we're not waiting alone. We're waiting together with our friends. And we're waiting with the Holy Spirit, who is at work inside of us, groaning for the coming of the resurrection of the dead. The season of Advent is the season where we prepare our hearts for Christmas. And when we talk about a God who is here, that is language that we learned from the Christmas holiday because Jesus was, was called Emmanuel, God with us, because he came. He took on human flesh and he made our problems his problems. He walked through a human life just like yours. Book of Hebrews says that he suffered everything that we have suffered, yet he was without sin. Things are going to get bad. He promised us that. He promised us that into every life a little rain must fall. He promised us that things were not going to be easy. Jesus regularly promised, prophesied about the difficult times that were coming. So we should not be surprised. Let them be a reminder to us that he's on his way. And let them be an encouragement to us to seek his presence in the midst of them. Matthew 28, 20, Jesus made us a promise. Behold, I am with you even to the end of the age. So where is God? He is here. But Advent is the season where we recognize, where we remember that we are a people in waiting that is who we are. 1 Corinthians 1, 7 through 8. So that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing, as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end. Guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. It is Jesus that helps us to wait. And we are a people in waiting. Hebrews chapter 2 verses 8 through 9. Putting, God has put everything, in, uh, put everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. But at present, we do not see everything in subjection to him. 
but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. My friends, if we're satisfied with anything that we see in the current season, then our desires are much too small. Our satisfaction has not yet arrived. If we're not a people in waiting, then we're a people that has lost an understanding of the incredible things that are coming. We are a people in waiting. And if we settle for anything other than the kingdom of God ruled by Christ Jesus, then we have thrown away our blessed hope. We're not waiting for a political victory. We're not waiting for a good economic report. We're not waiting for the uh, next Star Wars movie. We're not waiting for, uh, you name it, whatever it is that we might be looking forward to in this next season. That's not the thing that we as Christians are truly waiting for. We might be waiting for those things. And that's fine. But our deep longing, our true waiting will only find its consummation, its end, when Jesus himself descends and puts his feet on the earth and names himself as the king of all the earth, true and political king who is coming to reign. Until Jesus comes, we will always be in waiting. He has already won his victory, but we are waiting for it. To see it with our eyes. Where is God? He is here. Don't forget that we are a people in waiting. And finally, God is up to something in the midst of the waiting. This is the part we miss. And this is the part that Advent is meant to draw our attention to. That waiting, believe it or not, my American friends, is good for you. Whenever anything bad happens to me, and I say it to my wife, I smash my thumb with a hammer or, you know, this bed. She always invariably in her great mercy says the same thing to me. It's good for you. Every time. That's all she ever says. Whenever anything bad happens to me, her answer is it's good for you. I could tell her, honey, I have COVID-19. She'd say it's good for you. I don't know if I agree with her about any of those, but I will say this. Waiting as difficult as it is, is good for us. And God is up to something in the midst of our waiting. That's why it's good for us. Not because it's just good for us to wait. It's good for us because God is at work in the midst of our waiting to form us into the kind of people that he needs to host what we're waiting for. I remember when Rachel was pregnant with Isaac. And we watched as she moved through the, the moments of, of the pregnancy and as, as her belly got bigger and, and as we were watching on the sonograms and things were watching our baby grow larger and we were constantly just so excited about what was happening. But anyone who's had a premature baby will tell you that for that moment to come early, for the baby to come early is not a good thing. 
The waiting is important. The gestation is important. The time before the arrival is important. Is important. And this is Advent. This is where we remember that we are in that kind of time and we are that kind of people. And God is doing something. He's bringing maturity. He is spreading the gospel. He is forming our characters. He's building his kingdom, even in the midst. And when things are ready, Jesus will return. But let's not despise this moment of waiting. Let's rejoice because God is at work in the midst of it. Hebrew or Isaiah 64, as we read earlier today, there was this phrase that caught my heart this week, and I've been thinking about it all week long. But now, O oh Lord, you are our Father. See, it, we are the clay, and you are our potter, and we are the work of your hand. Isaiah 64 is a description of a people who are in the midst of defeat, and who are waiting on the victory that's been promised to them by God, just like us. And if you look, it starts with, oh God, everything's terrible. And then they come into a realization, you know what? We kind of caused these problems ourselves. We're sinners. We are broken. We have not done what you told us to do. And then the third thing that it says, it says, but now, now, okay, now, oh God, you are our father. We, have, we realize that you are at work doing something. And so we yield to the hand of the one who forms us, of our potter. We choose to be moldable clay and we yield to the hand of our potter and we say, make us the work of your hands. God is molding us to be the kind of people he needs for what he is wanting to do. A people who do not trust the world or its ways to bring about the things we are hoping for. Can I say that again? God is making us a people who do not trust the world or its ways to give us what we are hoping for. The reason this is important, we need to see the mightiest things in, this wor in our world fall. We need to see the mightiest things in our world fail. We need that because we shouldn't be putting our hope in those things. We shouldn't be putting our hope in the empire we call the United States of America. We shouldn't be putting our hope in the economy that's built by a bunch of greedy people. We shouldn't be putting our hope in, a, in the system that we live in because it is not powerful enough to bring about the things that Jesus has promised us. It will never work. We've got to be a people who don't trust the world or its ways, but have put our trust only in Jesus. We need to be a people who trust him completely to do exactly what he said he would do at exactly the right time. It's one thing to trust God. Oh, I trust God that he's going to but do we trust his timing? <laughs> That's a lot harder to do. <laughs> it's one thing to say, I trust God. He's always been faithful. But when the bill is due, when we don't have any time left, when you're looking at your clock going, are you going to come through or not? That's when we find out how much we really trust him. Because not only should we trust his promises, but we have to trust his timing. And he is creating us to be a people 
who carry his vision of the future in our hearts and are already leaning into it together. See, the waiting is forming us to be a people who don't trust the world or its ways, to be a people who do trust God and his timing completely, and to be a people who see his vision clearly and are already getting busy about making God's kingdom come. That's what the waiting is doing for us. Where is God? He's here. Don't forget we're a people in waiting and remember that our hope is real because it is God who works in us both to work and to will his ways. I'm going to read our gospel reading from the lectionary this morning and then we're going to take communion together. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know summer is near. So also, when you see these things take place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So be on guard. Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come. In the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. What I say to you, I say to all. Stay awake. We are a people in waiting. God is with us. But we are a people in waiting. And he is at work in the midst of the waiting. So let's stay awake. Let's lean into the things that God is doing here, now, in this moment, in our hearts and in our community. Let's take communion together. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he gathered his disciples together in the upper room and he broke bread. See, I think this is especially appropriate this morning as we talk about being a people in waiting because the Passover meal that Jesus and his disciples were, were remembering, were observing, 
was looking back to a, a meal a few thousand years before then where a people who were stuck in slavery were waiting for God to bring deliverance. And God gave them a meal that didn't, this meal didn't happen after their deliverance. It happened before. God said, make bread, but don't wait for the yeast to rise. Go ahead and uh, kill the lamb and put the blood on the top and on the doorposts. Because I am going to set you free from Egypt. They were a people in waiting too. It's a pretty, it's a theme that's all over scripture. And when Jesus on that Passover, the Passover, the night he was betrayed, was looking at these elements and realizing the truth that that Passover was speaking about him and about this day and this moment. And that this set of disciples that he was surrounded by were in the same kind of waiting that those people were all those long years before. So he took the bread and he broke it. I like to break the cracker, even though it causes crumbs. To remember, because Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. Let's take it together. Jesus, we, we, uh, we do not yet see the victory that you have bought for us, but we do see you. And we take this symbol, your body, into our bodies and we say, you're enough. In the midst of season of waiting, you're enough. Then he took the cup after supper he said this is my blood the blood of the new covenant the old covenant that was established way back at Sinai was coming to fruition the gestation of that covenant was over and Jesus the promise of that covenant was standing in front of them and he was inviting us into a new covenant in his blood A covenant that will also, after the time of gestation, come to fruition and we will see Jesus standing on the earth, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's the promise of this cup. And we will be in resurrection bodies, standing with him and ruling with him forever. That's what this covenant is pointed towards. So as we take this today together, let us say to the Lord, we believe, make us ready, O oh God. Let's take it together. Precious Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you that this is a promise that we can count on. And it's a promise worth waiting for. We love you, Lord. Give us the grace to continue to wait. Give us the grace to lean into what you're doing. This morning we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I love you. We'll see you right here.
this Wednesday night for Bible study. Oh, one final thing. One final thing. I am going to be posting a devotional every weekday between now and Christmas. An Advent devotional. And I would love for you to join me there. Um, I'm not sure if it's just going to be a written post or if I'll actually get on and talk to you. I haven't decided that yet. But that'll be there. So look for it tomorrow morning. All right. God bless you. I love you. Join us there.